Raptors fans, we're back with another pod. We're going to be reviewing Game 5 and Game 6, uh, a tough Game 6. Not in the uh, the greatest mood this morning, but, you know, Raptors fans, we should we should keep our heads held high. Um, and, of course, I got my co-host here, Kev, the K-Train. Um, you wiping away the tears this morning, buddy, or, or how you feeling? Dangerous, Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little sad this morning, and just to kind of let you know what mood I'm in, I was wearing my Raptors hoodie yesterday all day to represent... I am officially in the Blue Jays blue to match my mood. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And the Jays are off to a great start, but we're uh, we're here to talk about Raptors. So we'll 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 get into Game Five. We'll start the the main thing that was happening with Game Five is we we had no Fred again. So, but no Fred and and no problem, right? Like the boys stepped up for their for their team captain, and the all forward lineup was was a nightmare matchup for Philly. He he did get injured like after the the post game there. He was quoted saying, "You're you're just trying to go until you can't run anymore." And his body just finally tapped out. So you know he was dealing with the with the knee injury, and then it kind of escalated to the hip. But you got to give props to Freddie for for fighting until he literally just completely tapped out and couldn't go anymore. Yeah, hundred percent. And the all forward lineup is an interesting concept. I mean, we've talked about positionless basketball in the past. The versatility on this team, the the length and the athleticism, the fact that multiple guys can play multiple positions. Just to give you an idea here, Scotty Barnes, we talked about him, rookie of the year. He started the game in Fred's absence at point guard. Don't forget, Scotty started at center in game one. I don't know if anyone's ever done that before. I, you know, I tried to look it up. I couldn't yeah. find anything, but it seems pretty unique, and it seems unlikely that anybody would have done that before. So that was an interesting uh, a bit of business there. Yeah, that's that's one hell of a, a point there. Like you, you love to see the the versatility, like you said, from from the rookie that he can literally play all five positions, right? He's just he's such an asset to this team. But when you look at the game five, like the start was part of the reason why we played so well. Like they they came out swinging, and the first they had sixteen points after only four minutes, and and everyone was contributing. Like you even had Kem Birch out there sinking threes and swatting shots, and they and it helped silence the crowd early, which is which is so key for a road victory, right? And, I mean, the crowd did get a bit louder later on, but not in a positive way. And, well, we'll talk about that later. And then you saw it, like, Philly struggling out of the gate as well. Six turnovers early in the first, and, and the Raps capitalized off that with, with 10 points off those turnovers. Yeah, this was a full-team effort. I mean, in Fred's absence, everybody needs to step up, step up for sure. Uh, I talked last game, my concern, the scoring was a bit inconsistent in game four, and then more guys needed to step up. We had four players here with points in the teens, and Siakam had uh, 20, 23. It was a game high for him, and the, the scoring was uh, distributed throughout. So, you know, Barnes was one of five players with three or more assists. Siakam led the team with seven. So it was a full-team effort here, and they really took it to Philly. They kept the momentum they had from Game 4 going. And you're bang on when you talk about the importance of taking the crowd out of it, especially in Philly. It was it was shocking to me how deflated uh, the crowd was as the game went on. I mean, Philly never trailed by more than, I say, 15 points. I don't even know if it was that much. And the crowd... I don't know if you saw some of the images of uh, close-ups of people in the crowd. There were some disenchanted people sitting there, and I don't know if it was justified. I know, again, the momentum was with Toronto, and, you know, in the back of their minds, they're worried about going down, or, sorry, the series coming back to tie. But, I mean, at the time, they're up 3-1. You have all the momentum. This was a clinching game for them, but you wouldn't know it based on the crowd's reaction. 
Yeah, like they they really turned on the team early there. Like I think it was only a few minutes into the second quarter where the where the booze started to rain down. So, I mean, you you can tell how much this series means to them. Like they obviously remember the the game seven series in two thousand nineteen. And yeah, I mean the crowd was just not into it. And again, they were never they were never uh, out of it was Philly. But you know maybe they just saw everything we were seeing, just how well the Raptors were playing and how well we were handling their players. I mean, Precious Achua, I'm shocked to say it, but, I mean, he held his own against Embiid offensively and defensively. Yeah, 100%. And, like, you, you even saw the Sixers fans scurrying out of the, the Wells Fargo Center with, with five minutes left in the game. And I, I think they were only, like, down by 10 or 12 points at that, at that stage. So, I mean, that is a, a significant lead for the Raptors, but it's definitely manageable for Philly to, to make a comeback on a little bit of a run. But, 100%. yes, you're... Yeah, but to your your point on Precious there, like he he had a fantastic game, arguably his his best game of the whole season. Like he came off the bench with 17 points. He was one of five Raptors and double figures and I mean, we're we're literally witnessing Precious mature as a player in front of our eyes. Like you can you can see Masai's vision and and what he expected in return on that Lowry trade mm. because when we made that trade, like I knew he had potential, but I did not expect this type of player. So, again, Masai for the win. Yeah, and I mean, Precious, we've talked about how he's improved over the year as it's gone on. But, again, the Masai to get something for nothing in the Lowry trade, because Lowry was going regardless. But, you know, being the franchise icon he is, he allowed us to trade his rights because of the relationship he has with Masai and the organization. And we were able to get back Goran Dragic, we don't need to talk about him, but Precious Achua, too. Again, a guy who's improved as the year has gone on, is part of Masai Ujiri's Giants of Africa program. I mean, this, I can see him being a piece going forward, but... Um, he's, he's definitely a, a young piece, and, and you know he has all the potential there. Like, I think he's only 21 or 22, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, I think 22, and how yeah. Yeah, and how, and how he's developed throughout this playoff series. Like, he, he can definitely turn into to quite an asset on the floor there. And like you know, like you said, the the Giants of Africa program, like you know, Masai knows this guy more than the average NBA fan yeah. or Raptors fan, right? So he knew yeah. he knew what he was doing for sure. Yeah, he knows him on a level more than just as a player, right? He'll have that mm-hmm. intimate sort of relationship with him. He'll know the kind of guy he is, the character he brings, as well as his basketball skills. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a full full team effort by the Raptors in Game Five, and you know, it's not a good game for Philly when. Danny Green has one less shot attempt and one less point than James Harden. And Joel Embiid was critical of Harden after the game, saying he needs to be more aggressive. Harden, I'm not going to say he's been a non-factor in this series, but we have talked about it. I mean, he's, he's, he hasn't appeared to be the player that, you know, everybody perceives him to be and the player that he's been in the past. So, you know, the big question going into game six was, could Harden step up? Could he provide you know what people were expecting of him because Embiid was was almost a non-factor in game two as well or sorry not game two game five as well after the first quarter he started well and then just kind of fell off the map so Philly in a sense was was lucky to be as close as we've said they were in game five yeah Um, but going into game six could Harden be that guy with with Embiid's thumb kind of still being an issue or you know perceived as an issue was a big question yeah, for sure. And you, you saw the struggles with Embiid and Harden in Game 5 there. Like, obviously, the thumb is an issue, but Embiid just looked gassed out there, man. Like, I, I don't know exactly what happened, if he had a late night the night before or something, yeah. but he, he looked exhausted. Like, he, he became the new Niang out there. 
and the Raps yeah. started attacking him on every possession, and and they were rewarded, like they they scored on him with ease, like, and and Harden, like you said, he was a complete non-factor, only 15 points, shooting 30 36 percent from the field, like he looked completely lost out there, and I mean you have to give credit to our defense, like we have we have quite a unique defense, like we can basically get at you from all angles. And they, they maintained their tough defense for the full game. They forced 15 turnovers. They limited their big guys, Embiid and Harden, like we mentioned. Embiid was on the bench with a few minutes left in the game, right? And, and Philly, they, they shot under 40% from the field. And the Raps needed this defensive effort, Kev, I'll tell you, because they only shot 25% from three. So the defense mm-hmm. was, was absolutely crucial. And when the three wasn't dropping, the Raps were able to thrive in the paint again. And they outscored Philly 56-36 to 36 in the paint. So they, they played with purpose and attacked the hoop, which is, which is so important in playoff basketball. Yeah, they kept the momentum going and coming home. And, you know, they got the win. They were looking to be the 14th, or sorry, they were the 14th team in NBA history to force a game six after going down 0-3 in a series. They were looking to become the fourth team in history to take it to a game seven after trailing 0-3. No one's ever come back from an 0-3 deficit. They were looking to do that. And with the game coming home back to Toronto, I mean, it felt it felt like Game 7 was, I mean, I don't know if, it was, if I would say it was almost inevitable, but everybody, I think, was looking forward to Game 7 as much as Game 6. Game 6 was almost an afterthought because, again, all the momentum is on our side. We're here at home where we have a ton of, a ton of credibility. We've talked about the the vaccine passport uh, idea as well. So you know Philly's roster isn't at full capability. Is do you think we looked a little bit past Game Six, uh, you know, towards Game Seven? And we'll get into the performance here. It wasn't all bad for the Raptors, but you know, I wonder. I wonder if we kind of got ahead of ourselves a little bit. Yeah, I think I think we absolutely did, and I kind of fell in that trap too. I I can't lie. Like like you said, the momentum's on our side, right? Where we're coming back home, and, and we're feeling good after two straight wins, right? Like, people were even quoting, like, the Raptors lead the series two to three, which I thought was pretty comical, <laughs> right? But that's but that's how it felt. Like, it literally felt like game six, we go out there and crush them, take care of business, and it would come down to game seven, right? And, like, you can't forget that that Doc Rivers has quite the reputation of, of blowing 3-1 leads in the playoffs, right? He's He's done it three times. So you're also thinking about that element. Like 2003, Orlando, he blew the lead. I mean, they were the eight seed versus Detroit who won that year, right? But then you have a couple recent ones, 2015 with the Clippers and 2020 with the Clippers. So you're thinking history is going to repeat itself and they're going to choke again, right? But, we, uh, yeah, we def- definitely overlooked game six. So I, I agree with you there, Kevin. Yeah, and the Raptors came out with the same starting lineup in Game 5. I mean, why would they change, or sorry, same starting lineup as Game 5. Why would they change anything, right? Uh, both teams were competitive off the off the hop. Uh, I, Harden was noticeably more aggressive from the beginning. I mean, he was drawing fouls. He was driving to the basket. He was doing his thing. Uh, there was a couple questionable foul calls back-to-back. I noticed early on, one of them on Embiid. Uh, he kind of flopped and got a call. And then there was a disputed foul uh, charge call. Um, so was it a foul? Did was the was the you know defender taking a charge? So it was it was a little rough. I was having flashbacks to Game Two. Uh, at one point, the Raptors went 0 of 8 uh, from one stretch, but then Chris Boucher came in, and Ooh. I mean, what a lift he gave the Raptors in this game. Yeah, for sure. Boucher finished with 19 points, nine nine rebounds. He was perfect from the stripe. 
and only 17 minutes off the bench. Like this, this guy is an absolute animal. And I mean, like you, you could argue that maybe he should be the starting center, right? Cause Birch was just a non-factor. Like he, he only started five minutes for us, but you, you would hope that Boucher, he would, he would keep a, like a tub of protein powder handy or something and have three <laughs> shakes a day and, and beef up. And he could potentially be a starting center, but one hell of a performance from him. So you definitely have to give him his props there. Yeah, Ken Birch is just a foul sponge for Joel Embiid at this point. I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I like it. The bench, the bench actually, and going back to game five for a second, you saw it in game six too. There's something going on between uh, Thaddeus Young and Chris Boucher. Like they, they have an unspoken chemistry between each other. Uh, there's about four passes in particular between the two games I can think of where Thad just made just, just such a smart pass to – Boucher, the one that sticks out, I think, the most in my mind in game five. Uh, Thad had been knocked to the court. Uh, he had the ball. He, I think he had two or three Philly defenders on him. So he was sitting on his rear, and he passed the ball through the defenders to a charging Chris Boucher who was able to dunk over Philly. So there was a few instances where, like, again, uh, Thad's, Thad's a, a veteran guy, and he, he's he got decent playmaking skills himself. But He's, he's a smart player above anything else, and he really fits Toronto's system. And he's got something with Chris Boucher, and, you know, it's it's maybe that veteran youth connection. I know uh, Boucher's not quite that young, but, man, like, the two of them have something there. And the bench, other than Boucher in this game, was really a non-factor, but just something to keep in mind going forward, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I need to make a quick correction. I just mentioned that Boucher only played 17 minutes, but I think that was his time after about about half there. He did have over 30, 30 minutes in the game, and you'd expect he's playing that many minutes when he puts up those many stats. But again, one hell of a game from him. And like when he finishes with that type of with that type of statistics, right? And if the the bench can only have an average game. Like, if they can come out and play tough defense and kind of contribute, like a bunch of them maybe have seven, eight points, right? But you just didn't get it from from the bench. Like, I think it was Precious who had his first points at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Like, in yeah. The, in the, and, yeah, and in the third, he had more fouls than points. Like, he was just completely non-existent tonight, which is tough to see after a great game five. And he was even hyping up game six in an interview after, saying, we're coming back to Toronto, look out, and so on. And... He just completely disappears. So, I mean, if with Boucher's performance, if the rest of the bench guys could have played just just an average game, not expecting the world from them, it would have been a huge difference because the bench of ours has definitely been an asset in this series. We've outperformed Phillies pretty pretty significantly. So that definitely hurt us in uh, in Game Six here. Yeah, and then you know going into the half, the game was close. Like again, both teams were playing well, playing hard. Um, it seemed like game one all over again coming out of the half. I mean, yeah. Philly came out motivated, so credit to them for that. I mean, at the end of the game, you look at the box score. Harden and Embiid did what they were supposed to do. They had games that you would expect of them. Uh, Tyrese Maxey was was back, and it was it was like he had lightning bolts attached to his feet. He was all over the court. He was yeah. You didn't you didn't see him in the first half at all, right? Like he was pretty non-existent yeah. in the first half, and then he just he just caught fire in the in the second half there. That's for sure. Yeah. I, one thing I noticed, like uh, the the Raptors were settling for for threes a lot, and we've already talked about you've talked about how they're not really hitting them this series. But it got to a point where because they fell behind so hard and so fast. I mean, Philly went seventeen and zero at one point in the in the quarter. I don't think Toronto gave up, but 
they were definitely settling for shots. Scotty Barnes, we love him, but I mean, I noticed he kind of hesitates on offense. Like he's not confident in his decision, and maybe it maybe it has to do with the ankle injury. I mean, it's obviously not fully healed at this point. I'm sure, but he's hesitating on offense. He's not driving to the basket. He's he's thinking about his decisions too much and it's giving the defenders a chance to crowd him more so if he's passing the ball that's fine you're drawing the defenders but you know he was i think eight of 20 in this game um so like he's not it wasn't his best performance and i think again he's a rookie yeah he was eight of 20 he's a rookie he's he's still learning and improving but you know, that's something he'll have to work on. And I can't hate on him, but I think it's something worth mentioning. And, and yeah, I, I agree with that, Kev. Like, he, he definitely was hesitating. But he, he seemed to get a lot of touches early in the third. Like, you, you understand he's going to control the offense a little bit because we don't have a typical point guard without Freddie. But even with, like, aside from the playmaking, like, he was getting a lot of the shots. And Siakam didn't have, like, any touches when, when Philly went on that run. Like, they literally built a 20-point lead in seven minutes. Like, I'm watching the game for 15 minutes, and, and the Sixers are up by 20. And what, what killed me is that Nurse didn't take a timeout until, until eight minutes into the third after they were already up by 20. Like, that was absolutely shocking to me. Like, I don't know where the hell he was, but the fact that you're not calling a timeout after they go on the 8-0 run or even a 10-0 run yeah. is, is mind-blowing to me. And, and like I said, Siakam didn't have any touches at, the, at this point. The crowd was, was completely silent. And it was just an absolute horrendous start. And, and that run in the third was was the reason why we lost game six. Yeah, I mean, Philly started, or they went 37 points to our 17 in the third quarter. I'm surprised we even had 17. But they shot almost 60% from the floor. And they were hitting all their, they were hitting everything they wanted. It was like it was like game one all over again. So this, this game was really a tale of two halves. You know, you had games four and five on display for the Raptors at the start of the game. But then it was like game one and two, game one specifically, uh, all over again in uh, the third and fourth quarters here. It was it was tough to tough to see. Yeah, and you, you have to give credit to, to Philly's offense. I mean, they all the Sixers starters were in double figures, and they shot over 50%. I think the only one that didn't shoot over 50% um, was Tobias Harris, but he did have 19 and 11. And, like, he's been good for a double-double almost every game in the series. Like, he doesn't average 10 rebounds in the regular season, that's for sure. So, I mean, he's he's definitely elevated his game there. Danny Green caught fire. He was hitting threes. He finished with 12. Tobias with 19-11, like I said. Embiid with 33-10 and 10 on 67% shooting. Maxi 25-8. and 8. And and Harden, like, he, he finally showed up and, and responded to Embiid calling him out. He finished with 22-15. and 15. But the big stat was he he shot 58%. I mean, he he hasn't shot over 50% basically this whole series. I think it was only his second game shooting over 50%. And, like, you even saw everyone else jumping on that train. Like, you even saw Dave Portnoy of, of Barstool Sports. He was he was sharing his bets on social media. In the last couple of games, he had Harden under 50% on part of his parlay. So, um but yeah, he he kind of looked like his old self out there. So maybe the the beard isn't completely washed yet here. Maybe not quite yet. But I mean, I'm I'm doubtful that he can he can keep that going in the series against Miami. But you know, one thing that kind of got me uh, when the game when the game was the game was over in the third quarter. Let's be real. But yeah. in the in the fourth quarter, with you know time ticking down, Joel Embiid he knew exactly what he was doing in a throwback to 2019 and something that kind of turned around to bite him in the butt. 
he did his his little airplane mode thing on the court and yeah. the crowd the crowd reacted immediately they were upset i was upset i stood up off the couch i was yelling at the tv i was i i i was feeling things i can't say on the air here but i i felt much much better when immediately after he comes down the court siakam elbowed him in the face that's karma and that's yeah, karma for sure. on a classless player an immature player making classless moves he's he he should know better and I mean, what what is he accomplishing by doing that in a game that's so far out of reach? Exactly. Yeah. Like you're up by 25 points at that point, right? Like it's it's just a classless move. Like he he definitely has some maturity that he needs to uh, to needs to learn. Like he needs to grow up. He kind of plays with his emotions and seems like a child half the time out there. But I mean, the only argument is like maybe he could do that if it was a close game. Maybe it's like they take the lead with 30 seconds left and he does that, but. Obviously, it still kind of pissed me off too and rubbed me the wrong way. But you know what, Kev? Like, I, I think I think the Raptors will be all right. We'll we'll always have that shot in Game Seven from Kawhi and the 2019 championship, right? Like, mark mark my words, Philly and Embiid, they're they're not going to win a championship this year. They're they're not built for it, and the East is too strong with the Bucks and Celts and Miami. So I think there's no shot uh, at them win, winning a championship this year. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be rooting against them going forward. Yeah. Uh, one thing that was nice, though, and I mean, again, we talked about it here. The game was out of out of reach by halftime. You want to compare our crowd to the Philadelphia crowd. We talked how dead they were in Game 5 when they were never really out of it. We were completely out of this game, and the fans, with a few minutes left, were chanting, let's go Raptors. What does that Love. tell you about the crowd? Yeah, you, you, you love to see it. And, I mean, part of that is because the, the Raptors knew the game was over, right? But they're just kind of thanking the, the team for, for a great season and a great attempt at, at beating a, a tough Philadelphia squad in the playoffs, right? But you 100% wouldn't see that in Philadelphia. Like, they would have been scurrying out of the arena again with five minutes left with their heads held down, right? I don't think you'd uh, so, see it. I don't think you'd see it in any any sports league anywhere in the fair. world. Yeah, that's fair. Like we we definitely have the best the best fans in the league, and and it was evident with that, just supporting their team no matter what. So, you you, you got to love it for sure. Yeah, yeah. But something like I I don't want to like um, dismiss is that we can't forget that we missed Freddie in this game, right? And I go back to the run in the in the third quarter there. He's he's the type of player who could have ended that Philly 20-point run, right? Like whether it's a three-inch transition, it's an alley-oop to Siakam, or like even a big defensive steal, right? Like he's that type of player that, that yep. can change the, the momentum in the game. And it could have been an eight-point, nine-point, or, or even just a 10-point run, right? Um, it, 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 would it could be have been much more manageable, yeah. Yeah, it'd be a completely different series with a healthy Fred coming in. It'd be a completely different series if Gary Trent wasn't sick for the first two games. It would have been a completely different series if Scotty Barnes didn't miss games two and three. But, I mean, I guess that's why they play the games, and it's not it's not how it uh, looks on paper all the time, eh? Yeah, for sure. And then, Ben, you also start to think about the game three loss in overtime, right? Yeah, I mean, significantly outplayed them in that game, and and man, you would like to have that one back. Like the series would be three three going back to Philly. I mean, it would be it'd be tough to steal one on the road, but we'd still be alive and and looking at a game seven, right? But it's the past is the past. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You don't want to dwell on that, but there was definitely a lot of opportunities to uh, to get us to game seven, and it wasn't just game six. 
Yeah, it's it's funny the little things you look at, and you know we talked about all the details of Game Three and what happened there, the missed free throws by Precious, the Embiid buzzer beater, the lack of coverage on the inbound pass. I mean, sometimes it's it's just the way things go in sports, and you know the Raptors season is over now, but you know it, it, they gave us a great ride. I mean, coming into the year, we've talked about it. Nobody expected this team. Well. I should say nobody outside of Toronto probably expected this team to even make the playoffs. Not only yeah. did they make the playoffs, they were the fifth seed. They avoided the play-in tournament, which, you know, at one point of the year they were talking about that was the goal. They exceeded that. And when when it comes to the playoffs, again, if they were a healthy squad, it could have been completely different. And that's, that's, that's the crapshoot of playoff sports. It's, you know, who has the momentum coming in, who's healthy. It's not about what you've done the previous 82 games. It's about how are you doing right now and, you know, we saw it play out in front of us. You know, Philly had a fully healthy roster. They're not coming out of this series with a fully healthy roster. And Bede's thumb is an issue. Hopefully now he's got a facial contusion from Pascal Siakam. But I joke. <laughs> and and <laughs> you know uh, you know, Harden has a, uh, an issue with, uh, with playing heavy minutes. Like, he does not look like the same player, like we said. Like, I think he's going to have a little bit of a stamina issue moving forward, especially if they, even if they do make it past the second round. But... But who knows? I don't even want to talk about that. I think they, they're going to get crushed by Miami. I'm going to say Miami in five in that series. But um, I just kind of want to give a, a shout-out to, to Siakam because he played he played amazing these last couple games. I mean, in game six, he had 24 points on, on 53% shooting, seven and seven, flirting with a triple-double, and three steals as well, right? So he's doing it on both ends of the floor. And, like, as you know, Kev, like, I used to, I used to kind of hate on Siakam and our, our fantasy basketball group chat there, mainly just because he has a max contract and he hasn't seemed like that type of player to, to make clutch shots and, and perform in big type games, right? But um, I think he's he's starting to turn a page there a little bit. And like this 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 loss was not his fault, that's for sure. He put up some some big games in the last couple here to keep the Raptors in it. Yeah. And I think he's gonna stay at this level for next year. Like I, I don't see why not. He, he matured in this series, and, and with the Raps, young guys getting experience, improving, a healthy Freddie, a couple tweaks in the summer, right? I think the Raps should be very competitive for next year and, and years to come. Yeah, there's no doubt Siakam and Fred are the guys for us going forward. And, you know, we'll, we'll, I, think, I think we should take some time to digest uh, this playoff series, and then, you know, we can talk about tweaks in the summer and what the Raptors need going forward. Again, the team performed a lot better than most people expected coming into the year. So I don't know necessarily that there are major tweaks to be had, but you never know what Masai is going to do. I think each offseason he surprises us with, you know, what he chooses to do, him and Bobby Webster. It's, it's, it's always encouraging, and it's, you know, it's nice to have faith in the management of the front office. You know, we've talked about uh, the Raptors kind of being, in my opinion anyway, and I'm sure yours, the San Antonio Spurs of yesteryear, but of the Eastern Conference. They have a system. They have a structure. Everybody from top to bottom buys into it. Even the popcorn vendors buy into it. So it's 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 a it's a good position to be in. It's a, it's a disappointing exit, but I think going forward we'll be in good shape. And, you know, we'll talk about those offseason changes next time we're on. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and and I don't know about you, Kev, but I'm uh, I'm jumping on the Heat bandwagon here, mainly because they're they're facing the Sixers, right? But yep. we hope Lowry can can win another championship. Our our boy Kalo, right? And yep. I know he's not healthy. I know he's banged up a little bit, but you hope Miami can can win the series and he can come back and be healthy. Maybe he even comes back this series. I don't know the exact status on his injury, but I'm uh, I'm definitely jumping on the Heat bandwagon here for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, why not go Lowry? I mean. I'm not a big Jimmy Butler fan, but I, I, I'm all in favor of Kyle Lowry getting getting more accolades and accomplishing more. Uh, let's get a Raptor in the Hall of Fame. That's the case I'm making. Yeah, for sure. Let's get him that statue in Toronto, too. I mean, he's he's definitely the GROAT, greatest Raptor of all time. So, yeah, you gotta you got to be cheering for him in the playoffs. But I think that was a, a good coverage of Game 5s and 6. Um, this won't be the last you hear from us. We'll, we'll definitely um, have some episodes during the summer. We'll, we'll talk about the summer league and maybe some trades that happen in the summer and, and looking forward to next year and so on. Um, but, yeah, any uh, final words here, Kev, on, on the playoff series? No, again, earlier exit than we would have liked, but it's, it's, again, it's encouraging kind of going forward, and it's been nice to be able to do these pods with you, Dan, doing these, these games, the playoffs and the lead-up to it. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to it next year uh, and through the summer. So don't go anywhere, guys. Absolutely. So, yeah, as always, guys, follow us on, on Twitter at Ethos Raptors. Make sure you uh, you follow the podcast as well on Spotify and iTunes. Download them and uh, let, you, let us know what you think. Comment on our uh, our Twitter handle as well so we can interact with you. And uh, like we said, well, we'll definitely be back throughout the, uh, the spring and summer months here for some Raps analysis. Um, but until next time. Go Raps, go. Go Raps, go, man. Cheers.